We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. I don't take sides. And so in this book, you know, we have tensions between the African-American community and we have and and the Jewish um, American community. And I don't pick sides. I show the flaws equally. I show, um, you know, we have a racist um, Jewish character who's locked and imprisoned in a basement with a racist African-American. And I don't pull punches either way. So you decide. I'm not here to tell you, oh, the white guy has to always be wrong because I'm black. Or yeah. the woman has to be wrong because I'm male or what, whatever. You know what I mean? I just, I just put it out there. So, so sometimes I, sometimes I do describe in detail because I do want, I want, I want to paint such a picture, yeah, 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 such a picture that they go, oh my god, I see I that character, I see that character. Good to a ratio, okay though. Good to a ratio. Okay, though. That might be the best question I've ever been asked. You're a phenomenal person. I mean, you legendary. I am a fan of you, my brother. Eric LaSalle is a famous actor who's been around for decades. He had a big role in coming to America back in the 80s, but now... He's also working as an author. He's still acting. He's still directing, but he's an author. He's got a new novel out called Laws of Annihilation. We're going to talk about being a writer. We're going to talk about being an actor. We're going to talk about the actors that he thinks are great that I may not think are so good. It's a fantastic conversation. It's Eric LaSalle on Touré Show. So when I was younger, some black people would tease me like, oh, Negroes is French names. <laughs> and I wonder if you get that. No, no, because my name is, it's French and Spanish. Yeah. Uh, and Spanish is La Salle. Yeah. Uh, but no. You no. throw the Q in the Eric, I wonder if people oh, would be me. like, yeah. I, oh, I want to tease this nigga right now. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I've been, I've been, I've, I've been kind of at least in my face. I've been spared. <laughs> I mean, who people knows, tease who knows you what they say yeah. and love you. But I was also, but I was. See, you were young. I was, I, you know, I was a young adult when I started spelling it with a Q. Okay, I was in college. Okay, so that's, and the reason I did it, I'll never forget. We had this professor, and they were like, you know, when you hand in your picture and resume, let me tell you what happened. And he just started throwing them in the garbage. And he said, make sure you have something that stands out. 
on the and page. it freaked me out so much. And I and I was uh, my freshman year of college. I was teaching these uh, this little Haitian girl, and she's always called me Eric. And so all this stuff was happening around the same time. So I was like, oh, I'm spelling this a little different. But see, what I I was too young and naive to understand. He was talking about actors just off the street, not representation, not an agent. They don't do that with rep, you know, with with a reputable agent. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But I just, you know, I just thought, oh my God, you get the picture and resume. They they toss it. But it, it does around. help when it does help. There is a uniqueness to the name. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Do you think Eric with a Q leaps off the page and gets you more work than if you had been Eric with a C? No, I mean, because at the end of the day, it's really about the work. And like I said, it was about it's about the representation. And so the representation gets you in the room. Yes. Uh, and then the work is what's going to define you in yes. the room. And so, you know, same thing for me, you know, with writing. It's just like um, at the end of the day, no matter what type of publicity options I have or possibilities, um, at the it boils down to what's the quality of yeah. the product. Yeah. And so that's so I so for me it's it's all this. Why same. are you writing? Writing is really hard. It's really exhausting. It just kills your mind. It makes you, to write a novel is partly to like go crazy for a period of time. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you doing this? You know what it is? It's like the most it's the most because this is your third, this is your third novel. It's my third novel, Laws uh, of Annihilation. But I've yeah, but I've written uh, another one. Um, I'll say, man, it is the most gratifying torture you can endure. <laughs> it's, you know, it's because and like it drives you crazy, and it's it's and it, you know the the scary thing is how insulated and sort of lonely. It is because yeah. you're, you're, it's just you. Yeah. So by the time you sort of um, uh, come out of this hibernation, you come out of this cave to share with the world, to share with readers, you, 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 it takes a while for you to understand for you. You might, you know, cause you think, Oh, it's like, it's like a baby. Oh, my baby's cute. My baby's cute. You know, and all of a sudden the world starts saying, your baby's got a big head. Yeah, baby. Your baby, your baby, your baby is funny looking, right? I mean, all you know, you living with that baby, you're like, oh my God, it's so, you know what I mean? I know black people tend to be a little more honest. Black people are like, I love you. You got a big ass head, but I love you. But for the most part, you're like, you know, you live with it, you live with it, you live with it, and then you have to turn it out to the world. And then that's the, and so it's really not until you start getting some validation, and that's the weirdest, to me, that's the weirdest thing because acting is immediate. So you come into an audition, you audition, and they're like, wow, or thank you, well, you know what I mean? So you kind of have a much more immediate sense of your art. But when you're on a TV set, there's no, right? I mean, if you do a no, play, no, you're right. right there, right. right? But you're on a TV set. You don't really know. Right, right. And that was I mean, that was the case with ER. Um, we were in a tunnel doing Which was, it. For folks who remember, ER was one of the biggest shows of the decade. <laughs> right. Right? It was a massive phenomenon. Yeah. And, you know, so when we first started, you know, because you start shooting in July. Um, so we started shooting in July. You don't air until, like, September. Okay. Because so you, you have to put some episodes in the can. Yeah. Call it, right? So, so we're shooting, we're shooting. So we have no, no one has seen it. Yeah. 
And but you know, look, we're reading these scripts and we're going, these are these are good scripts, right? But but no one has seen it. So I remember um going to a premiere one night and uh people and the show had just come on. Yeah. The first week. And I ended up going to a premiere and I was late. And so everyone was in the theater and I'm I pull up and the press is still outside. And they went crazy. They're yelling your name. And you're like, what the you know? <laughs> you know, it's just, <laughs> you know you're like, what the yeah, on? yeah. So it was it was this is your first career success. Yeah. Right? Well, coming to America. Coming to America was coming to again, America was course, was huge. Course. And coming uh, to America was six years before ER? Yes. It's good, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, six okay. years before. So there was that. Um, but yeah, you know, like, you know, just kind of finding it and, 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 and it just sort of surprising you, you know what I mean? Um, because like I said, you, you work in such a, you work in a vacuum and then you emerge, um, and, and, and wait for the scrutiny of the world, the yes. scrutiny of critics, the scrutiny of peers, the scrutiny yes. of, you know what I mean? And, 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 and that's way the book and the ER thing, very similar. So you know? we. You said writing is gratifying torture. Mm-hmm. I, I, I want to know what is the torture part. The torture, you? the tor- the torture is like you think about it. Like even during the strike, um, you think that's an ideal time to write, right? I'm just going to go write write a book and because um, this is what I do now, right? Or one of the things I do. So you go, oh, no, nothing, nothing came. So you don't control it. That's the torturous part. You don't control it. You so don't you go, control the muse. You don't control the muse. And so you go, hey, you know, this would be a good time. I got some days off. I'm uninterrupted. I'm all of this stuff, right? Uh, you think it's going, no, not necessarily. I mean, fortunately, I was doing other things. Uh, and and there's, a, there's a thing about writers. They say um, you, have, you have basically two positions. You're either writing or thinking about writing. Yeah. And so I've been doing, a, I think about writing every day. Yeah. Am I writing every day right now? No. But for me, the way that I work, the more I think about it, when I start, it just flows. Because I've, I've been sto- mentally storing up. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I'm not the kind of writer uh, that uses the flashcards. Okay. And I, I don't, I don't, I'm not that organized. I'm okay. not that, like my stuff is organic. And like I'll leave here and be like, oh shit. The killer had a red shirt. You know, like I, I absorb whatever my day to day is, whatever my moment to moment is. So, um, but you, you know, one of the most frustrating things is you don't, you just don't control it. You know what I mean? So, so you can't say, All right, I'm going to write from nine to twelve because you don't quite know when. When I'm in my groove. When, when, I'm, when, when I'm in my groove, yeah, yeah. When, when, and, and I'll get there once I start putting it down. Then now I don't I don't say nine to five, I write because a lot of times, and I, I noticed this when I was when I was doing uh, Chicago PD. Like sometimes I'd have to be on set at you know eight o'clock, yeah. so I wake up at five. Now I might get more done in two hours than I will eight hours. So I can have a Saturday. Where you go, okay, I'm in all day. Let's write nine to five, right? Let's yeah. let's, let's let's put an eight out, right? Nothing comes. But then I'm like, oh, shit, I got to get to set, right? 
boom, 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 oh, man, boom, boom, boom. And, you know, you're like, wow, in two hours' time. So that's, again, talk about the frustration. You don't control it. I don't, I don't, or at least I don't. I just don't have, I only know, I don't have a formula. Yeah. I, I'm impulsive. I'm, I'm impetuous. I'm just, I like, I just get up and do. You go, you go straight to the computer or you hand, right? I go straight to computer. Yeah, I go straight to computer. Um, and some days a good day is three sentences. Sure. If they're good sentences. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, and so I'm not, and you know, everybody but has. But there's no way that you could write three sentences and then never have to change them. Sometimes, no, you can't. You put that down and then a week or a month later, you'd be like, Oh, I can. Well, you can. No, you can. But some and and sometimes the opposite. I I totally agree with that. But sometimes the opposite. Sometimes you go back two or three months later, and you go, "Damn, I wrote that." <laughs> You're like, "That's pretty good," you know. That's pretty good. So it, you know. So obviously, the longer it goes, the more you know. There's then there's the influence of what's happening in the world. There's the influence of what's happening in your world. Uh, so yeah, you you tweak a lot, but I find, um, I, and this might be sacrilegious to say as a writer, I don't do a ton of rewriting. <laughs> I know, I know. What? I don't do. What are you a, talking I don't do. About? I don't. That's and it, the game. It, I know. Everyone thinks, but for me, I don't do a ton. Of, of course, you do. I don't do a ton of it, um, pound for pound. Like when I, you know, sometimes if I have. A lot of stuff, and I go back. Oh, I just got to tweak this. I got to tweak this. I don't do a ton, and that's whatever. So it's here. But I also, what I will do is, I'll put it down, and all day it might just be that thing. It might just be that one paragraph. It might just be those three sentences all day. I'm like, boom. I'm playing with, playing with it. I get up in the morning. Yeah. It's still holding up. I, you know, so I'm living with three lines. I'm living with one paragraph. And so by the time it sort of uh, survives that scrutiny, yeah. uh, you know, self-scrutiny, then it's – I usually don't have to do a ton. I, of course, yes, I rewrite. Everyone, every writer rewrites. But some people believe that rewriting is is really it. And for me, it's not. My first, my first instinct um, – and then, you know, a little – maybe I'll add a little something – here, you know, here's something that's really cool. As I, as I continue to grow and understand the craft more, um, like for instance, my first book, I did a lot of double adjectives. Okay, because I'm, I'm so dramatic. Like I'm, I'm very dramatic. Yeah. <laughs> so I want, I want, I want you to feel the drama. So yeah. I, so I'm gonna add a little extra something to it. He, you know, he wasn't angry. He was very, very angry. <laughs> you know what I mean? He was, you know, <laughs> she wasn't fine. She was damn fine, you know. <laughs> so, you know, I got, I, I got, that's me, right? So, so I started noticing, you know, uh, a friend of mine read it, and that's the other thing. I, I let really intelligent um, people read it that give honest opinions. I yeah. don't have time for sycophants. Like, I want to be. My goal has always been to be a legitimate, a really legitimately good writer. Like, yeah. I don't want to be a cons- – I'm not interested in that. I hate this word. I'm a celebrity writer yeah. or this writer. I want to be a really, really good writer. And so I – my ego is such that um, I welcome criticism because that's going to make me better. Yeah. Like, my, you know, some people you go 
you know, you have so much ego that they don't, you know. So wait, are you still on the adjective train? I'm, well, now I look at my work and go, man, it's so much more powerful by removing. Yes. Less is more. The verbs should do the work. Bingo. Right? Yeah. Maybe the nouns, not adjectives and no adverbs. Right. Right? I mean, if you're, if you need, I think, if you need an adjective to make your point, then the other words have not done enough. Exactly. Right? The verb should give you the sense that you're trying to add with the adjective. Exactly. And that's, and so that's called trusting yourself as yeah. well. Yeah. And so when I look at the difference between my first book and my second book and my third book, and I read it and I was like, wow, you trusted, you trusted just that one simple sentence. You didn't have to overdo it. You didn't have to double down on it. Um, that one word, one descriptor is better mm. than two. You know what I mean? And Because I would do such and such and such and such. You go, no, dude, just find one way to say home and you and you get it. And so that's been a real, that's that's actually for me um, in, 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 in learning the craft and studying the craft because I'm, I'm very craft-based. I, mean, okay. I come from a, you know, classical training in theater, yeah. and, you know, Juilliard and NYU. So I, I appreciate classical training. I, I appreciate, I truly appreciate craft. So whenever I switch mediums, one of the things I do, and this is a big mistake that people make, just because you have success in one arena doesn't guarantee you success in no, the next arena. What you have to do is you have to study that second arena the same way you studied the first well, one. Well, how have you studied writing? Are there writing books that you've read? I do. I learned, I learned something early into the game, which was is really simple and it's really effective. Read up. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy. And we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy. And I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer. Because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. One of the people who helped inspire me to want to be in broadcasting is Oprah Winfrey. She's an inspiration for so many of us, but her daytime talk show was so incredible. And it told me that you could be black and authentic and real on TV. And that made me want to do it, too. Black Stories, Black Truths is NPR's new collection that's a celebration of blackness. Each of NPR's black voices are as direct, varied, distinct and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and how to create world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account of what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. Black perspectives that haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story, but now 
They are the story. On NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, as nuanced, and as Black as we are. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Read up. And I love that. Which means? Which means read good writers. Yeah, for sure. Read read elevated. Read. So I like to read people that make me angry with them. (laughs) I like this motherfucker came up. Like, how the hell did she come up with? Who are you mad at? Well, genre-wise, you know, John Sanford is one of the godfathers of thrillers. Mm -hmm. Um, uh Don Winslow is Don Winslow gets me mad. Don <laughs> Winslow is a, is a really good writer. He gets me mad. Okay. Um, uh, I read um, what is his name? Uh, Lou. Oh my god. Um, why am I blanking on Lou's name? November Road, and he just uh, Lou Bernie. Okay. Right. I'm sorry. Sorry, Lou. He's actually good. I know him. He's really cool. I just, I just, um, you know, so I, I read, I read different, different writers as my studying. I go to, you know, I started going to book conventions because you have, you have to understand, you have to appreciate the business of writing sure. as well. You know what sure. I mean? And you have to understand. There's some great books about craft. Mm. I don't know if you've read them. Mm. I mean, no, which Samuel Delaney. Has a fantastic book about writing. Stephen King. Well, Stephen, yeah. Has his book on writing yes. is extraordinary. Yeah, I, I've even, read some on, yeah. yeah. Yeah, even if you don't care for his work, his, right. you know, on writing is extraordinary. Right. The only thing I don't, and, and which, you know, we're talking a master. I, I think this, I think sometimes people, when they, when they read on writing, they take it so literal. And I think this, there's no absolute in writing. I think no. I will never. I don't say I'll never use an adverb. I'll never say I'll. I won't. I won't. I'm. I might go back if 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 it felt right and use a double adjective. If I if in that particular instance, it's 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 conveying something. So it's, the, it's a rarity. So it's the a next rarity. Time you're at the computer mm-hmm. and you see that you want to put a double adjective, imagine me. Coming through the window. <laughs> no, you no, and Steven. Eric, you and Steven. It's don't like, do I it. just no, but I'm saying I what I'm saying is that and then we're talking not even point one percent of the time. Sure. I'm saying that there are times when you'll see um and I'm so not suggesting I'm this, I'm not you'll see a master craftsman break rules. Sure. And and you go, Oh sh that yeah. And so yeah. I that's that's also a part of studying. And so I think understanding so, you know, in 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 talking to writers and um, you know, being able to, you know, go to go to conventions and and, and, and read. It's just like you just start becoming better. Yeah. Um, and especially if you and the more you do it, I mean there's nothing like doing it, but you wanna do you wanna you wanna elevate the craft by, you know, when I when I read certain authors, 
And I see the simplicity. I see the simplicity in which they, and that's what I'm saying. So that's why like a Don Winslow, like there is, there is just, you know, Lahane, you know, Dennis Lahane. It's like you, you read some of their stuff and you go, I don't, I'm not trying to be their voice. I could never be their voice. Right. I've got to stay true to my voice. And then there's some writers that I've, you know, sometimes I've read and I just go, that voice works so well for them. Yeah. It would never, like, there have been times when, early on, I think, when I was finding my style. Yeah. I was contemplating changing my style. Yeah. When when you read something that's influential. Yeah. But then you start sure. going, okay, that works for them. Yeah. Um, and then, but then you start getting validated when people start saying, well, I was just reading, uh, uh, my publicist was just reading something to me about um, a, a blogger that, that, that wants me to do an interview. And they said, and they, they read the book, this book, and they said, you know, you don't really read in thrillers. They don't have you, you know, scared and hitting all your emotional highs as well. And so there's been this, and what's important about that is we want to champion voices that actually change the game. Sure. And you got to realize that people that look like you and I um, haven't really had um, a, 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 a permanent place at the table. You know what I mean? And then the fact that I'm writing in a genre where there are very few African-Americans mm -hmm. writing. Mm -hmm. um, and I think of, you know, I, I think of Octavia Butler. Mm. And I think of what she, you know, as a sci-fi, a black woman sci-fi writer, um, what she had to go through. Um, and so, you know, right now, look, we've got Walter Mosley. We've got S.A. Cosby, who's killing it. Sean is killing it right now. His, his, his writing is fantastic. He's making you mad. No, he makes me hopeful. Okay. <laughs> he pisses me off a little bit, but he <laughs> but he mainly makes me hopeful cuz he just came out of he came out of nowhere like 3 years ago. He's just been on the scene for about 3 years and he is killing it. Super nice guy, by the way. Some writers say the characters start telling them Absolutely. what they want to do. Is that Absolutely. is that how it is for you? Ab yeah. I I had a character that I was uh I I I thought what would be best for the series would be to kill them. And also, you know, I, I like a series where it's not predictable. So sometimes when you do kill, um, you look at Drew Barrymore and... Um, Scream. Scream. Didn't expect No that. one expected Drew Barrymore to be killed. Like, and so when you do that, that also puts everyone on alert. That yeah. tells you that... Anything you, okay, so you go, oh, I'm sure the good guy's going to catch the bad guy, and this is what's going to happen. And then all of a sudden, you go, maybe oh, maybe not, because this writer doesn't mind killing. So I, I, I was convinced I was going to kill someone, uh, one of my characters. And um, they started fighting for survival. They started, I mean, and I started hearing the voice. I started seeing, and then it was kind of like a stay of execution. <laughs> and then I just was like... Oh shit! You know I gotta, you know, and and um and so that is a that's a that's a wonderful thing. And then you know that moment when you live with you 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 live with lines, you live with characters, um, and they and you, and you can't let them go. And they, they speak to you that way as well. They can't. You go to bed, you think about them, you start thinking about what they do on a regular basis. You start thinking about ways to make them more interesting. 
all of that they they take over and that and that voice takes over do you think about how your right your acting experience has helped you as absolutely. a writer absolutely absolutely and the, here's a cool thing like people always say, hey which do you prefer more do you prefer acting you prefer no what they don't understand is that i view them as extensions of each other so my acting has made me uh a really good director because I'm considered to be a performance-driven director. So I know how to talk to actors. I know how to pull things out of actors. I know how to call actors when they're BS because I used to do it. You know what I mean? When we're fronting and when we're fooling so many people with, you know, that one tier, <laughs> you know, all I've, we've, we've all been there. And you're right? doing acting tricks rather than really communicating. Exactly, exactly. So, in, you know, so I, I, I taught acting. Uh, so I'd call students out on it um, and, and own up to my participation in it as well. Um, so all of this stuff helps each each discipline. So my writing helps my directing. My directing helps my producing. My producing helps my writing. Um, so it's all, they're all – and because I, I learn. I learn more. What's, what's, what's the truth here? What's the, what's the thing that we're going for, what's the, which is truth? Our art should be in pursuit of truth. Yeah. And so what, what helps me to be more um, – what helps me to express that truth the best? And so the acting influence, the directing influence um, – my writing, and here's one, my writing is extremely visual. It's very cinematic. Obviously, that's the influence of being an actor, the influence of being a director. So when people read these books, one of the, they're like, man, this, I see it. It's, and sometimes they see it too much because, you know, it gets a little edgy. But they're like, I see this. I see this. So I see this as a movie. I see this as a... So that influence, so yeah, they all influence each other in a very, I think, in a very. I mean, if way. the writing can be visual and really create images in people's minds, a movie in people, that's so powerful, right? right? They're really sucked in when they're not reading words, but they're seeing pictures. Right. Somebody, I think it was Sadie Smith, talked about we don't describe what the character looks like, right? We might describe what they're wearing, but we don't give you a precise decision of their face. Because we want you to fill that in, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I and I, I go back and forth with that. Because um, a lot of times people say, you know, uh, one thing that I do that I'm very proud of, um, I can create controversial points of view, mm -hmm. but I do it from a very neutral point of view as the author. I don't take sides. And so right. in this book, you know, we have tensions between the African American community. And we have and and the Jewish um, American community, and I don't pick sides. I show the flaws equally. I show, um, you know, we have a racist um, Jewish character who's locked and imprisoned in a basement with a racist African American, and I don't pull punches either way. So you decide. I'm not here to tell you, oh. The white guy has to always be wrong because I'm black or yeah. the woman has to be wrong because I'm male or what, whatever. You know what I mean? I just, I just put it out there. So, so sometimes, I, sometimes I do describe in detail because I do want – I want I to paint such a picture, yeah, yeah, yeah. such a picture that they go, oh, my God, I see I that character. I see that character. But you were here – you lived here in the 80s and in 90s. the 80s and 90s, yeah. And in that time, there was a lot of – Black and Jewish 
strife, yeah. lots of different incidents where different people got hurt, a lot of them in, in Brooklyn, some yes. in Manhattan. Absolutely. Um, is that part of what is still in you that you're talking about? Absolutely, absolutely. Listen, you know, for me, you know, you think of all this stuff as really being um, a journey. Life, life is a journey. So it's like, what are the things that you pick up along the way? And being a writer has allowed me to repurpose, recapture um, so many things that you want to share. Like, you think about this. You know, we're, we're a society now of selfies. Mm-hmm. But what's what's the underlying thing there? People are trying to share. I mean, I think we've abused it personally, mm-hmm. you know, but social media, selfies, people are trying to share with the world what they had as a magical moment. So they're in Thailand. But, but the whole moment is the selfie. Right. Right? Like we right. didn't, I, I just saw Eric LaSalle walking by in the airport. Oh, can we take a picture? Okay, bye. Did we talk? No. 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 The whole interaction was the selfie. Was the selfie. And, that's I, the, and so my thing is, as a writer, I tried to, I I used to, uh, I used to always say, I was, I remember I was in a relationship, um, this woman, and she got, she would get so irritated with me because, you know, I would always say, wow, this is before a lot of the cell phones, this is back in the 90s. And I would say, man, I wish I could, I wish I could film this. Mm. I was trying to preserve the moment. I was trying to preserve the full moment. Like you say, this moment, like what this moment. So she, and she said to me, she says, I just wish you were in the moment. And I said to her, I said, I said to her, I said, you know, you got it wrong. I'm so in the moment that I'm living in this moment and I'm trying to, I'm trying to keep it, keep this moment. I'm trying to prolong this moment because that moment, I'm trying to preserve this moment because this moment is so powerful. So it's not that I'm not in the moment. I'm I'm like that. You just see a sunrise. I, I see a universe. I see a world. I, but this I see is the things. modern debate, right? That are we ever in the moment? Are we on our phones? Are we recording the moment so we can't? I don't think be so. in it. I don't. I don't think so. I I I I I think with what you said earlier. I think right now. I think we've gone past that. And I don't want to sound like a hypocrite. Like. Oh, I was there, but other people. I'm just talking about the results of what we see in society. Listen, uh, there's a there's a what is it, the Bang Brothers? Was it the Bang Brothers? The photographers, the group of photographers that all won uh, Pulitzers and, right. and all, all type of awards. And so there's the famous photo of this um, African girl starving to death, and a vulture in the background. And so the guy ended up getting a Pulitzer for it. And um, that somebody asked him, someone of color asked him, what happened to the girl? And he said, I don't know. I had a plane to catch. And that person said, it seems to me that there were two vultures there that day. He won, he won the award, and I think six months later he committed suicide. So... The point is this: where we are right now. Think about it. People are having act. People have accidents. People are dying. People aren't running to call nine one one. They're they're recording. So we, I think on a whole, of course, there are people that are not doing. But on a whole, we're not as a society, in the moment. We're not in the moment. That's the my time. opinion. 
it, 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 all no, the there time. Are some people that, but think about it. First thing you see, ooh, let me. I'm commenting. Let me do this. I'm hoping to go viral. Like there's all this stuff as opposed to this person. Because they're not. Help. They want something from it. They don't want to preserve the moment for the beauty of the moment. Bingo. That's the I want. I want some. I want. I want likes. Look. I want. I want. I want more people. I want more followers. Can't wait to post this. I want more. I want more. I want more relevance. And that's to me the thing. That's one of the most dangerous things is that how we pursue relevance. So you have people, and sometimes it embarrasses me. I, I know sometimes I know people and they're on Instagram and they're just you just see the desperation. And it's one of the things like I struggle, I really struggle with social media uh, and I, I struggle with posting. I'm a private person and I, I prefer my privacy. Are you on Instagram? I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. Um, Are you on Twitter? I'm on Twitter. I'm not on X. But you're out there. I'm out there. But I struggle with how much of my life do I reveal. Mm. That's what people want. People want the more personal stuff. They want (laughs) stuff. And so I go. And now once I, and this says a lot, I joined social media the day that I released my self-published book. So my first book came out, you know, we did the rounds, didn't get any bites, um, got rejected by everyone. So then I decided, well, I'm just going to self-publish it. So the day that I went to self-publish, I joined, that's when I joined Twitter. And um, because I also understood in order for me to have the type of success that I dreamed of having as a writer, you have to sacrifice certain things. So I, I have sacrificed some of my, by my standards, mm. some of my privacy. And so I think that, you know, yesterday I was doing an interview and somebody asked me something. And I said, you know, art costs. Art should cost you. Your art, your art does cost you. And you have to figure out what it costs. Because when you're in pursuit of truth, when you're in pursuit of doing things, it costs you. And so the desire to be a legitimate, respected um, novelist um, – is so important to me because um, there aren't many people that have had great success as an actor, great success as a director, great success as a producer, uh, and great success as an author. They, they're, they're, that's a minority. So that's those are the clubs I'm interested in being a member of. That's the time. I, that's the time of being a minority is a wonderful thing. Yeah. So understanding how important that is to me. I've, I, I make, and I'm not, you know, this is not a woe is me or whatever. I'm just no, simply no. saying like, I just, I'm just like, so when, you know, when my team is trying to get me to post things, it it, it, it makes me cringe a little because I'm like, that's my pride. Like, ooh, I don't, ooh, I, you know, but it's a necessary evil. You want um, people to you, read the if word. If you want it and listen, let's, and then let's, let's not, let me not be a hypocrite. Um, social media is helping me huge yeah. in a huge way yeah. so i don't you know what i mean but i'm just yeah. we're just we're just you know talking honestly so I mean, I, you could i mean i think a lot of us use it and bemoan it and it becomes this necessary evil um and i can we can be critical of it right while we're still while we're still, still stuck doing using it, some, it but it's also it's you know those of us that know what it is and so when we see 
posts of desperate people, um, mm. and particularly in my field, trying to hold on to glory days, trying to hold on to, mm. and you go, oh, mm. and you, you know, is that, you know, and, uh, you know, I've, I've, yeah, I don't, I don't want to call anybody out, but I've, you know, just seen some stuff and it makes you just kind of cringe, you know? And so I always want to be relevant based on the work. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I don't. I don't need to be relevant based on what party I'm at, what premiere I'm at, mm. what what posting I'm doing. To, you know, oh, I'm look at me. I'm in Paris and and blah blah. Look at the food. I'm. I hate. I'm like that's private. Like that's between me and who's ever having that meal. That's our experience. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's just like you know, it's just like simple things like that. But um, but at the same time, like I said, social media. Um, has uh, really put me out there, um, and and continuing, and this is growing more and more, even with this book. So, There's no you know. such thing as privacy in the modern era. What does eating healthy mean to you? Whatever your eating goals, Thrive Market is the best place to get all your groceries and household essentials. And getting Thrive shipped to your door is like having a great supermarket right outside your house. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and ethical sourcing methods. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks or low sugar alternatives or gluten-free essentials, Thrive Market's got it and their site lets you curate your shopping experience quickly. And as a Thrive member, I save on every order, usually about 30%, which of course I love. And when you join, you help a family in need with the membership matching program. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a $60 gift for free. Go to thrivemarket.com slash for 30% off your first order plus that free $60 gift. That's Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E Market. Dot com slash Toray. Thrivemarket.com slash Toray. On March 16th, 2000, two sheriff's deputies were shot in Atlanta. Jamil Alamine, a Muslim leader and former black power activist, was convicted. But the evidence was shaky, and the whole truth didn't come out during the trial. My name is Mosi Secret, and when I started investigating this case in my hometown, I uncovered a dark truth about America. From Tinderfoot TV, Campside Media, and iHeart Podcasts, Radical is available now. Listen to the new podcast, Radical, for free on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. God, coming to America, I just rewatched about half of it on Saturday. Mm. It's on TV all the time. <laughs> yeah. Right? Hey, yeah. It's an extraordinary thing that still lives mm. in the world mm. that people still love you for. Yeah. And you, you had a huge critical role in that. Mm. You were... Acceptable Negro, <laughs> right? <laughs> the one you're supposed to marry, right? The yeah. nice guy right. who comes with the flowers who you're supposed to marry. But she's like, I don't, right? It's, it's like, I don't know. He's so acceptable. I don't know. I like this other guy. Well, I think this. I think that there are certain films, books, songs, um, they just hit a chord. Yeah. That's all. They hit a chord. I was uh, lately, for whatever reason, they've been playing um, Whitney Houston's um, I'll Always Love You. And, you know, you, you listen to it and just, it just hit, it hit, it just hit a note, literally and figuratively. And so some things just hit a note. I think like Coming to America was, 
one of those cultural phenomena. Yeah. Um, because it was, you know, one, one thing, I mean, if you can analyze it, um, you know, till the cows come home, but one thing was there were so many inside black jokes, mm. but there were enough jokes for white people to appreciate as well. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. So when black people, black people love certain things about it, white people, sort of got a peep into that. They love that. But they even the other, the broader things. And so... We do love a beautiful vision of Africa, mm-hmm. right? And it gives you a very modern, high-tech, you know, they're, they're not... It was Wakanda before Wakanda. It was Wakanda before Wakanda. <laughs> right. yeah, they're not in huts. They right. are in mansions. They're doing it big. Royalty. That, right off the bat, was like, yo, I like being in this world. Well, you know, you know the, the incredible John Amos, when he gives me... He's got his own money. No, honey, he's got his own. He's, it's a picture of him <laughs> on the money. And he's like, no, money. no, 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 he's got his own money. So they're just, you know, so, you know, I think one of the things, obviously, the film God, is Sam extremely Jackson quotable. Was in there. Sam Jackson, the Jesus cast, Christ. And Louis Anderson, See, the late Louis Anderson. The late Louis, but Sam Jackson in a cameo as a, as a, as a cracked out robber. Well, that's before Sam became Sam. Clearly. Sam, Sam was on his, Sam was on the come up. Yeah, and he had some things, and right shortly after that, um, uh, uh, Spike's film. Yeah, do the right thing. No, the interracial jungle, jungle fever. fever, jungle fever, jungle fever, jungle fever. You know, but he was, was the DJ in Do the Right Thing. Yeah, but I'm right. saying, but he was. I mean, but what I'm saying, the bigger stuff was just about to start. Yeah, kicking in, and so you know, look, the film is. Um, very well cast, yeah. obviously. Um, it is very quotable. So yeah. I think that's what keeps it around, I think. And not only is it quotable, but it's, well, I'm just going to make up a word. It's scenable. And what I mean by scenable is there are, there are very specific scenes people love. Yeah, and yeah. they love to quote from the scenes. Or even if the, the scene doesn't have a quote, they love referring to that scene. So it's got yeah. it's got verbal quotes. It's got scenes as well. You know, uh, cast. Uh, you know, and, it, you know, in that time. All the time in conversation. Yeah. Like such and such and coming to America. Yeah. I mean, and, and all the reasons why it's this multi-decade phenomenon. You had... Maybe the biggest star, definitely the biggest comedy star of the decade. Right. Starring in it, comedic genius. No, he was genius. the biggest star. He was the biggest star in the world at that time. And, you know, look, they got the, you got an opportunity to see a different side of him. You saw a tender side of him. You saw a romantic side of him. And you have to, you know, when we start talking about the history of cinema, sometimes things are, things are impactful based on the time. Yeah. And so you look at... We didn't have many films that showed um, black men being tender and being romantic and 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 royal and regal and all of the, we didn't we didn't have that. So you know, just to be able to you know look at when um, she's got a habit came along, it was the same thing. You didn't have films that you know part of that the success of that film. You didn't have films that really dealt with um, black women's sexuality. Yeah. And so here was a woman who was saying, I'm unapologetic about my sexuality. If I decide I want to sleep with three men, um, I'm going to do it. And it's and so you, you don't. So, but you don't you don't have that luxury. And so these are some of the things that contribute to the success, the timing. And so people were, you know, when I was living here, 
what was remember the little independent theater in Lincoln Center right sure. across from Juilliard? Sure, absolutely. Right, uh, that line was around the corner. It was around, and it's funny because so I went to school with Spike. We were both at uh, NYU, and he actually so he offered me a role. Um, he offered me one of the leads in um, She's Got to Have It. Really? Uh, Which Greer, one? Greer was it? Greer. Carter? Greer Childs. Greer Childs. The the, um, the 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 one who's always working out. Yeah. Great shape. So he, so he, he offered me the, that role. The man who thinks the most of himself. Exactly. So I was offered that role. And um I don't you know, I no criticism of it, but I, I think like my issue was like I was like, well, I just want him to be more three dimensional. I thought I found him to you know, and but I but I two spikes point or to his intelligence of, of filming he wanted to present like these three men were not whole yeah she's and that whole. was she's whole yes and she's defining her wholeness these three men that's the point and see i came from my training was making each character a world a full dimensional mm. and, and so I and I and I still come more from that point of view like mm. in my books my my characters are whole they're three dimensional even if they come and have a small role as a matter of fact like I spend some of my characters into I give them a full book like they'll have one scene or something I go I like that character I'm gonna give them a full book so back then you know I look at things as a whole Spike was smart enough because he knew what he was building I, we just, we come from very different yeah. uh, points. And, and I understood, after I got past, I was like, oh, I see. The intention, it was intentional yeah. that each character is not whole. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm going to him going, yeah, I'll do it, but I think we should, you know, Sparks looking at me like, what? Like, You're dude, either you yeah. want to do this or you want, and I was like, eh, yeah, I, okay. You know, yeah. people thought, oh my God, you're crazy. You're stupid for blah, blah, blah. You can only go with what you know. I don't know. I don't know how to be. I'm always going to be searching for ways to make each character three dimensional. Yeah. I do that as a director. I do that as a producer. I do that as an actor. I do that as an author. That's that's who I am. Yeah. I can't cut that off. That's how I tell stories. Yeah. Other people tell stories the way they tell them, and you go, and then you can sit back and go, "Wow, I like how you tell that story." I mean, I can't do when it. When you see the story of "She's Got to Have It," you understand the value of. It's really Greer and Mars, Spike's character, who are two dimensional, right? Jamie, the main one, is he's more three dimensional. He's more evolved, but they still, for me. The three of them were sort of the buildup of one, the buildup to but one. But that was, that's what he was intending to be exactly. because she's trying to Frankenstein the perfect man and have one relationship with these three guys. Which and- is, which, you know, to his credit, that's a very, talk about the empowerment of, you know, female story. Yeah. Because that mentality is much more male. We tend to Frankenstein. We tend to say, oh, I wish she had this. I wish she had that. If she had this, then boom, boom, boom. If she had her thing, she'd be great. If she had her drive, her looks. But you don't usually see a script where the men are two-dimensional and the woman is three-dimensional. No, that's exactly what I'm saying. 
Right, you don't. And so, again, that's what I'm saying, like female empowerment. Um, and so, so again, I think that, you know, a lot of people were identifying when we talk about great films. Um, you know, black people were starved for um, eroticism and yeah. sexuality yeah. and mature stuff. I mean, think about it. In the 90s, we were still pimps, hoes, and sure. drug addicts and sure. drug dealers. and You know what I mean? So... Uh, so to to now, wow, ten, you know, and, and what, what a lot of white people don't understand, because unfortunately, you know, they get to take it for granted when when yeah. they look at their movies, but black people weren't kissing on film. This is this is you know in the late eighties, you didn't. There wasn't a lot of kissing. There wasn't a lot of just basic stuff. So wait, why did you want to get into acting? Is it because you wanted to expand the vision of black people on a screen? No, I got into acting at 14 years old. I, I was I wasn't that deep, but good good one. I wish I was. <laughs> I was not that deep. I um I I was I was writing. I was a a, a young poet, and, and when when I say that, I don't mean out to the world. I'm just saying for me, I love I like writing poetry, short stories. I used to, you know, write poems um, for girls. Um, you know, and, and that was really cool. And so I had this cool idea in, in my work? mind to write Did that a work for you. Oh yeah, <laughs> yes, it did. It worked for me. It worked for my cousin. It worked for. It worked for. Yeah, it was. He was. I just broke up. Write me a poem. I was like, you know, Shh. oh my god, you're so sweet. And he would claim it. He was like, yeah, I just wrote this for you know. So I, so and, and I, I joke about it, but I got to tell you something, man. It validated. It validated again when you talk about writing something in a vacuum. So you're a young kid. I'm young. You know, you're a young kid. You're writing something. You don't know what kind of effect it has. I, my 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 biggest thing was I had a cousin who asked me to write something. It was a school project. Yeah. So he asked me to write something, and I wrote it, and he turned it in. And the teacher asked him to stay after class. And she said, you know, you plagiarized this. And she said, you did not write this. And he goes, and she said, it's too good for you to have written. And we were the same age. And that was validation for like, oh, wow. <laughs> she thought, no, she thought, she thought he plagiarized it from like, Mm. somebody like mm. an adult, let's mm. just say. Mm. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so for me, it, it validated because I didn't, you know, look, like I said, I'm giving my poems to girls. I'm giving them to relatives, get them out of trouble. I'm, you know, I'm doing it that way. So I decided, oh, you know, uh, a freshman in high school, had my first leather jacket, had my jeans, you know, girls were like, oh, he's bold like it. He's cute. You know, I was like, oh, shit. Where are you in this? Was, where, where, do you, where are you living? Uh, Hartford, Connecticut. Okay, okay. Right? So I'm, you know, I'm I'm, I'm feeling that, right? <laughs> okay. And so uh, I'm like, all right, let's, you know, and my mind, my attention was all on that. And um, and so the drama club was having auditions. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to write um, this amazing play. They're going to perform it. I'm going to be this great playwright. And I show up, and the uh, drama teacher's like, uh, and his name is Paul Zients. I still remember him. Um, as a matter of fact, I've, in Chicago, I've invited him to um, the set of Chicago PD because it's it kind of cool to reach back to a teacher that you know helped influence. But he was like, "Yeah, no, we need you to audition. You know, 
We don't, we don't need you to write a play. We're going to do Raisin in the Sun. Maybe you've heard of it. There's an author, there's a, a playwright by the name of Lorraine Hansberg. Yeah, those are the kind of plays we're doing, right? So, so I'm like, oh, so he's like, you're, so I audition, I get cast, and then the acting thing takes over. So from 14 to me jump ahead to me landing this big role really big role. Um, I'd replaced Denzel Washington. He was doing an interracial love story with Michelle Pfeiffer. And for whatever reason, he left. You're um, talking about ER? No, no, no. This, what is, you this, what? Is, this is pre-ER. Okay, what are you talking about? This is about? a movie. Okay. It's called Love Field. Okay. It's called Love Field. So and, and Denzel was supposed to do Denzel, it? Denzel was supposed to do it. He drops was in it. He drops out. So there's a mad search. How do we replace him? How do we replace him? So they have all these auditions. They fly me out from New York to L.A., I end up getting the role. Um, People Magazine is like, oh, my God, who is this guy? He's about to blow up. This is blah, blah, blah. So, you know, I'm like, okay. So I work my ass off. I work my ass. I'm like, this is my shot. I work my ass off. Two weeks in, the director's pulling me aside. He's like, dude, you're you're doing some really good work. I'm like, cool. So Michelle was one of the uh, producers. So one morning, I get a knock at the door of my apartment. And one of the producers comes and says, you look too young to play her love interest. We're going to have to fire you. We're going to, no, they don't say fire. We're going to have to let you go. We're going to have to make a change, right? We're going to have to go in another direction. Brother, I am devastated. Yeah. I am absolutely devastated. I mean, this is it. I'm doing everything right. I'm not out partying, you know, which is not me, but I'm not, I'm, you know, it's one thing to get fired for something being your fault, but you know, here you are doing everything right. So anyway, so I'm, Devastated. And, uh, you know, they got to pay me. So they pay me. I go. I spend a whole bunch of money. Um, I, I, This was after coming to America. So I bought a condo up in Washington Heights. And so I'm like, I'm going to furnish it. So I do that, spend a lot, spend more money in one day than I've ever done or made or whatever. And I was like, okay, now what? And then I went and enrolled in film class. And so that was Juilliard. No, that was Juilliard was acting. This was after this. I was, I was, a oh, professional. this is NYU. This is, this is no, this is after school. This okay. is me being a professional. So I went to the new school okay. and took an intensive filmmaking course. And the reason I did that is because I needed empowerment. I needed, I, I didn't want to spend the rest of my career, even when you're doing it right, you could be fired like that. Like that was that when I say devastation, I'm not like being overly dramatic. I'm saying I'm a logic, I'm a very logical person. Yeah. And that broke my sense of logic. Yeah. Because I'm like, well, if you do your best and you work hard, this will happen. Yeah. Good will happen. Yeah. Not necessarily. Good, good, not necessarily, right? And so I was, you know, I was, you know, look, I was probably twenty seven. 27, 28 at the time. So I just decided, you know, I want to go into film. And so I started. But then once I once I started doing the film thing to bring this all back, I then had to start writing again. I had to write short films to shoot. Mm. That's what got me back to writing. Mm. So from 14 to 28, it was all about acting. It was all about that. But then now I'm a director or I'm taking these directing classes and they say, okay, hand in a film next week. Well, you got to go write that. Uh, Then after, you know, and so then I started writing short films. I started filming them. Then even after I finished that intensive course, 
um, I continued to do short films and then that became my calling card to get. So it's funny how that brought me back full circle to writing. Wait, what is the greatest advice you ever got about acting? Um, I mean, there, there are some cool things that I still use. Um, acting is having a private moment publicly. Hmm. Um, my mentor used to tell me, you're only as interesting as the problems you're trying to solve. Mm. Uh, he would also tell me, and I applied, I apply, he was like a father figure to me. Um, I, I apply a lot of what he said in life in general. Um, your payoff is only as good as your setup. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so that, can you imagine how that still influences me as an as a storyteller, mm -hmm. as a director, mm -hmm. as a author. Um, so these were some of the, and then lately, um, and when I say lately, I mean like in the last 10 years, I've heard, you know, art, art, art costs. Mm -hmm. What does your art cost? And so I started questioning, what does art cost me? What does art cost me? What does truth cost me? And I've been very aware sometimes of, of the cost. Mm -hmm. and, and cost isn't always devastating or anything. Right. It can be, but it's not always devastating. You know, it's, it's just what does it cost you? So you're part of this great lineage of black actors who've gone up there and just done so much in terms of creating positive role models and images. And, um, and I'm sure you feel part of that line of folks going back 60s, 50s, whatever. So I wonder what it means to ask everybody who comes on the show, what does it mean to you to be black as far as being an actor and being part of this, this amazing history? Mm -hmm. um, I think this. I think it's sad. Um, how do I say this? It's sad that we're still... There's still firsts we haven't yeah. accomplished. Yeah. Still. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, we were talking about Barbara Streisand earlier and how I didn't notice until I saw it at the museum, but she was the first woman allowed to direct a studio film. Yeah. That's our lifetime. That's our lifetime. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The first woman. And so there are still firsts. That was Yentl? Was it you know, her first one? Was uh, was it Yentu? Like, uh, Prince huh? of Tides. Prince of Tides. Yeah, she's the first, the first. And so when I look at African Americans, people of color, and go, you know, we still don't have a uh, best director. Um, mm. we still don't like they think about the things we still don't have and the things we you know. So on one hand, it's it's uh, it's a challenge, and you're like, okay, cool. Um, but on another hand, you're like, wow, really? We're still in our lifetime. We're dealing with that. So as far as like the lineage, I'm actually, and I hope this answers your question, maybe not as directly, but I'm actually a little s saddened or critical or discouraged by. Right now, what I what I feel that we're seeing, I, I I think I don't think the talent is getting better. 
I don't. I don't. I think. I think that lineage. The I talent think the li- is not getting better. I don't think so. I think the. I think the lineage has been broke. I think. I think striving for the things. I grew up. Sidney Poitier. Yeah. Completely influenced my generation. Completely sure. influenced me. We didn't have many, but we had Sidney, and mm-hmm. that's Harry what you and, and how he carried himself. Harry Belafonte, yeah. Bill Cosby, yeah. James Earl Jones. Yes. Um, so these were the the giants, and they had their struggles. These were the giants that we get people like Canada Lee that never quite made it, but these were the giants, and so. You felt when you embraced Sydney and you and that was your pursuit, there was a certain level of dignity, there was a level of discipline, there was a level of craft, there was there was, you know, you deal with James Earl Jones. Because these guys were so theater based. So they had the discipline of theater. Um, and then they be, they became these stars. It's a little to me it's a little sad now because reality TV is something that I think has lessened our talent pool. I think now you don't have to have true talent to be famous. And that's that's one of the problems. And so when we go back to social media, you can be on a show and it's really how ratchet are you? Mm. Ratchet is what gets you the likes or the dislikes or mm. the followers or the whatever. And so the more so when you start seeing African Americans um and to me, sometimes degrading themselves um, mm. by going for the lowest hanging fruit, by just being, you know, girl, I'll kick your ass. And like, I, like I can't, I, I can't watch those shows. I can't, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? That's not for me. It's clearly for people. Uh, but aside from our taste, it doesn't really inspire like this level of talent and in, 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 in studying craft and and so people come out now and they've got oh he's got three million likes he's never taken an acting class before but he might be they might studios now might hire that person over someone who is really talented so you, sometimes I, but you know I, I could see i could see it i think a lot of people can see it when you have a non-actor mm-hmm. acting with an actor you can see it Okay. You can see right. Okay. Like, okay. Like, but, like but that doesn't. But does that help the fact that you can? Because here's 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 the thing. No, it doesn't help them as a creative Think. production. I can see you are not doing what she's doing. Okay, but when there is look, I went through. I'm the generation that went through the first and second wave of rappers becoming actors. Now okay. there are some exceptions. There are some people that have transitioned well and become whatever. Latifa. Yeah, but Will. for the most part, but for the most part, for most part, they didn't become actors. For the most part, they were horrible, right? And they didn't, they didn't become actors. But here's the thing: the devastation. I cannot tell you how many times. So I, I come from the generation, you know, college wise. It was, you know, all, a lot of us went to college together. It was me, Michael Beach. Wendell Pierce, Ving Rhames, Wesley Snipes. These are my peers. These are the these were the guys we all went on auditions. We are all classically trained actors, right? Andre Brower, all of you know, a lot of them came out of Juilliard. Uh, Wes came out of SUNY Purchase. We graduated the same year. Uh, Wes has slept on my couch. I mean, we 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 you know, we've known each other. But so we'd go, and out of that pool, one of us would usually land, you know. Seven out of ten times, one of us is, you know. And then all of a sudden, there was this new wave of rappers 
coming in and not trained, not whatever. And so what, what, what people don't always understand is, you know, actors, you know, you're, you're starving for your next job. You don't know what you're sometimes just barely hanging on. Here comes this great role, this great role. And you're like, okay, I'm going, boom, you put everything you have into it. And it's got nothing to do with talent. It's got to do with, oh, this person has a song. And so and the devastation. Bring people in he to the theater. People, we think, because it doesn't always translate, For but sure. they were willing to, so they were willing to take a chance. So, you, you, oh, well, that's just one job. No, it was happening a lot. And one job is important. You yeah. know what I mean? And one job, one job is important when you, when you are a true, true artist, true artist. When yeah. you're a true artist, there's no such thing as just one job. That's one life. Like you die. You die a little. I'm sorry. You know, I'm not sound I don't want to sound pretentious or anything, but I'm talking to true artists. You die a little bit when you go after because it takes that much. It takes you getting up if whatever, getting up at two in the morning, staying up till three in the morning, studying, doing whatever you whatever you need to do to like I mean, you go in. You're talking you about in. just auditioning, Act, just, just auditioning, just trying to get the job you're going in. You go in because that's all you know. You throw yourself in and, and it's, it's met with this series because you're going to be rejected just for whatever reason in general. But then there was this new element where you go, hold on. They went with, I guess one thing, like we were never competitive. Like the list of actors that I gave you, we were never, like we'd go to auditions, we'd wait for each other and go to lunch. It's like, yo, I'll be outside when you get finished with your audition, break a leg. Like we, we, hey, yo, there's a new audition. You heard about this audition? We believed in each other. We respected each other. We respected each other to say, yo, you heard about this audition for such and such? Like we shared, we weren't, oh, this is my, no, we weren't, we weren't like that. So, you know, so we, but you still at that point you're 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 striving you're you're trying to just survive. So there's a piece of when you're a real artist, man. There's a piece of you that dies a little, particularly when you see that the choice is so commercial or so it has nothing to do with art. And you should be like, oh, okay, I can justify. But that doesn't help your rent. That doesn't yeah. help your um, mentality. No. That doesn't help your self-esteem. No. That doesn't help. So you die a little. So it it it, it was bigger than just losing a role because you're losing many roles for many reasons. Now, if if we lost a role to each other, whatever, he cool. worked hard. That was he trained. No problem. Let's go grab some lunch. But lunch that is on you. Validates your choices to prepare for that moment. They chose Wesley, not me, but. He went to school. He's in class. He, I'm doing the same things he's doing. So if it's working for him, it'll work for me at some point. Right. If somebody makes an album, it goes platinum, and they hire him. Well, that, I, I can't compete, I can't with, compete that. with that. I can't compete. But he can't. He can't compete with what we do. That person doesn't understand craft. What's what? What we're doing now is we're making it even more acceptable that you don't have to study you don't have to understand craft you just you just have to be controversial See, part of what you're getting at is that a lot of people who don't study acting think acting's easy exactly exactly all of me as a public love acting don't understand what you're don't doing don't understand don't understand it oh i like her and blah blah blah. and sometimes you know i'm i'll look at people like okay tell me what exactly what do you like what's credible about this and then when you 
as a as as someone that understands craft, as someone that teaches acting, as someone that you know directs, I'll start breaking down. Of, okay, did you believe this? No. Well, what about this? No. You go down and listen. You go, well, then why exactly did you? I don't know. I just. I liked her or I liked him because, you know what I mean? But they can't tell you, but you look at... But they will go to the theater to see that person because... Sometimes, because sometimes. The people who you and I could say are the top three or four box office grocers mm-hmm. are not the best actors in, in Hollywood. Well, I mean, it depends on... I think it depends on what we're there's certain genres and certain things that you go, okay, I get this person for that. I'm a big Tom Cruise fan. I wasn't really? wasn't always Wait, you think Tom see I was avoiding saying that name because I no. didn't want you to, to be in a position I do, think this do you I think th- he's a good actor? I think this. I think he is one of the most committed actors. Okay. Okay. And for I, sure. and that and that's got my respect because because craft is commitment and it's understanding. And I think that uh, I think also I think I think Tom takes chances. I think even at the height of his, you know, popularity, he was doing um, independent film. He was he was he would he would he would do he would try things. He's not afraid to. Are you surprised f- by his choices on screen? No, his 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 his. His choices on screen, no, it's not so much that they surprise me, but I've bought into particularly like, for instance, like the, um, you know, like Top Gun. Top Gun was just, listen, is Top Gun this, you know, um, super artistic, you know, no. film? No. But is it a good old fashioned popcorn movie that you just feel good was, about? Yeah. The first one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, the second one was no, garbage. No. no. Maverick. Yeah. Yeah. The first one. The first movie. No, I think just the opposite. What are you talking oh, no, about? Oh, no, no. The latter one? The more recent Maverick, one? Maverick uh, two years ago? Oh, man. That, that was, was so much fun. That oh, was not garbage. That was, that was not that garbage. That movie was terrible. That was fun. Oh, that was a good, God. fun experience. I was like, experience. why are we you know here? Why? You know why? Because the problem I had with Top Gun was they took themselves a little too seriously. And there it was are fighter incredible. pilots in but the you, Okay, 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 okay. You want me to destroy that for you? Good. Okay. So, yeah. These are... Mavericks. These are Top Gun guys. They're fighting right? against. Well, guess Russia. what? There are classes above them, so there are other Top Guns. This no, isn't no, the first. No, 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 no. At the first big meeting, they're like, "You are the best of the best." There is no class above you. I found it. <laughs> I found it incredulous that these is upon a graduate upon graduation. Okay, now we're going to throw you in war. We're going to, you got to go. I, he I just finished I training. I, I, <laughs> right, that, okay. But that, but that has right. nothing to do with Tom. Wait, right. so, but if we look over the scope of, of his career, because mm-hmm. I don't want to argue about a specific movie, do you not see a sort of rigid sameness from job to job? I'm not comparing, I'm not, listen, man, I'm not. I'm just comparing him Right. I'm not comparing him to like a Denzel of, or to... But I think there's two kinds of actors. There's right. chameleons. I'm sorry. First one, he's a star. For sure. Okay. Well, so there's a star, there are stars and there are actors. Yes. And I think that there are stars that... Can be actors. That can be actors. Thank you. And then there's stars who are what? If they're not actors, then they're what? They're just well-marketed. <laughs> You know, 
I I think Tom is. You look at his career. Look even even something, even, even 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 um tropical tropical, tropical, tropical thunder. Tropic uh, tropic was it tropical tropic tropic tropic, tropic thunder. thunder. Okay, remember. Okay, but I'm just saying. But Robert Downey uh, Jr. Exactly. Both both of them. Both of them were equally committed. Both yeah. of them, both of them, like, and again, here's someone at the height who doesn't have to take these chances. You're you know, just happy that he took the role. I'm happy that he took the role that required um, him to go in. And I appreciate his, I appreciate his preparedness. And that translates into like, when I see how intense he is. Um, I respect that. Am I saying that he is? But you're not. You're not. I'm not uh, saying he's Denzel. I'm no, not of course saying, not. You're not. Are you? Are you saying Tom Cruise is a great actor, not a star? Clearly a star. I think he's an. For me, he's an enjoyable star. I'll, I'll, enjoy. I'll leave it at that. He's an. I there enjoy. I enjoy. I enjoy. I enjoy him being a star. I enjoy him being committed. I think he. I think he pushes to elevate. Um. Uh, Action films. I think he he pushes, and, yes. and they don't all work. Yes. They don't all work. But when they do, I go, okay. I had fun with him. Thank you. Why? Because at least you made things credible. I didn't. I'm not sitting there going, there is no way in hell that you're going to do this. I go, okay, fine. You made it as credible as it can under these circumstances. So, but now, do I? Is that like I if I, like, I don't under, like I don't understand. I have not taken an acting class. I aspire to, but I, so I don't understand all the things. Right? Mm-hmm. I saw a clip of Matt Damon explaining how Jack Nicholson had changed the scene in Departed when they. You saw that clip, right? Yes. When they killed the guy and was, with the wife, and, and he's supposed and he to say just, this, and he just keeps, and he keeps making shorter, shorter, and shorter, shorter. But then he added a little bit that made it like we've clearly done this before. Yeah. And it was like, yo, you are so deep within the character, right? That's those that are that's adding, different. And I'm like, that's different. That's different. No, that's that, that's different. Those are again, those are actors in their prime, really great actors. I mean, like I said, stars are stars. Stars can be good actors. Stars can be fun stars. So, um, so, so Tom, if, if you're saying Tom Cruise is a fun star to watch, mm-hmm. I'm with you. Right. There is clearly a different. I mean, just think about guys above the line, right? Denzel, Nicholson, Pacino. Like these are actors, right? Right. Right. Sean Penn, right? These are, like, and I'm just thinking of of men, right? Right. Viola Davis, right? Actor, right? Right. Exactly. Tom Cruise is in a different category, right? Exactly, and that's fine. That's and fine. what I'm saying, and what I'm saying, in the way that we got into this is my respect for. His commitment to that, as opposed to many of these reality actors now, they don't have, no. they're not committing to anything. Wait, they're who? committing to fighting on camera to then all of a sudden you've got, I, oh, they're well, committing they, to doing crazy stuff. Wait, who are, the, who are the rappers who you were like, damn? <laughs> really? <laughs> uh, I, I mean, think about the first wave of rappers, you know, uh, Ice T, Ice Cube. Uh, I mean, every 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 rapper at that point was, was getting a shot. Was getting a shot, sure. and so it started coming with more frequency. And so again, when we started, to, oh, it's just one job. No, and all of a sudden, it's just like. But it's also sometimes the value. Like some of these jobs were really good jobs. Ice T is intense as hell on screen. Well, now look, the, these guys have 
here's the problem. I'm just going to, here's the issue with this. And this is me being a snob. Okay. Um, No matter what a person who's not a real actor does, and you keep letting them grow, and all of a sudden they get to a point where you're like, okay, right on. Can you imagine if you had nurtured an actor the same way? It would, to me, like, so even if, oh, well, this is a rapper, but we're going to put them in this film, this film, this film, this film, this film. And all of a sudden, at some point, they reach a point where you just accept them. You're like, oh, okay, they're not bad. But if you had, like, a real actor who really understood craft. And I'm not, and I want to be clear. I'm not saying all of these, cause some of these rappers definitely have sure. taken it serious, taken For the sure. opportunities here. So I'm not, I'm not, if you're a rapper, I'm dismissing. I'm no. not saying that no, no. I'm, I'm talking about there are a lot of, and a lot of them have fallen off and, 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 you know, with movies, whatever, but I'm saying at that time in the eighties when a lot of them were getting, so, but if you had taken a real actor and gave them this opportunity, this opportunity, this opportunity, this opportunity. Now you, now you create like who is the successor to Denzel? Who mm. is the? Do we have that right? Thank you. Do we have that right? Do we have that really lined up? So you would have had more opportunities because when you look at our white counterparts, because of the opportunities that they have, there's someone pretty much in line. For like, I can understand. Obviously, I understand your perspective as an artist, right? Like, let's give it to the artist, right? And let them grow. Mm-hmm. I do understand the studio. We just spent 30, 40 million. I understand it. And we have Denzel. But if we also put Eminem, Red I, Man, Method Man in the movie, then the people will go, yo, it's Denzel and Method Man, the typical character actor. The average audience member is they're not going to get them in the door. Once right. they're there, they're like, yo, I'm really happy that Philip Seymour Hoffman is here because he's always great. Right. Right. He's not the leader. He's number three right. or four. But he is always making me happy. Right. right. But he did not get me in. The, and Philip Seymour Hoffman, some people Pass. go to the movies, right. see him. Right. But I'm saying the character actor does not get you in the door. He right. makes you happy when you're already there. I get right. But and that, I agree. that star. From another genre. The name, a name, a name gets you. And I get it. No, I understand it from a business point yeah. of view. Uh, I'm just saying, like, now this next generation, um, if we're trying to build, um, if we're trying to build legacy, if we're trying to build, um, you know, what's, you know, the progeny of what we've established, who's coming next, um, I, I want to nurture the art, the artists will keep this thing alive. At some point, you go, you look at stuff, and you go, I'm not really excited about some, sometimes, you know, I'll have auditions, um, you know, as a director, and I'm just, I'm waiting for a young actor to come in and just knock me off my socks. I'm waiting for, and I, 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 I don't want this to come off the wrong way, I'm waiting for the generation of actors when we were coming out, listen, if Wesley Snipes went into a room, there's going to be some excitement. If Michael Beach went into a room, there's going to be some excitement. If Ving Rhames went into a room, there's going to be Wendell Pierce. There's going to be some excitement. There's going to be, now, might not be right for the role, might not get the role, but you, you know, so when we went in, I miss that. You see what I'm saying? As a director, when so I have this, auditions, wait, wait, wait. I get, sometimes I go, I haven't seen anyone. I go. I want you guys to. I want somebody to come in here and take the role. Tell, tell well, but let's let's talk. The uh, young actors who are listening, who may audition for you or someone like you, mm-hmm. 
What should they do? They should be prepared. They should know their craft. You know how many times I have to stop actors and just simply say, I'm sorry, what's your objective? We we couldn't, you know, like, you know, your mother mother wouldn't let you leave the house until you, you know, washed your hands or something. We couldn't we couldn't leave school if we didn't know what an objective was, what an obstacle was, what actions were. Like that's a part of your foundation. Sometimes when I teach acting, I say, show of hands, guys, who can tell me what an objective is? Who can tell me what what you know what the actions are? And people that's just stand now. They're in school, so you that's when you give it to them. But there are people that will come into the room and you say, What was your objective? They don't know. They haven't made a choice. So when you ask me who do I want to see a generation of actors that come in and I go, even I go, I'm not gonna hire you for this, but I'm going to keep you in mind. And I do that. Like if somebody comes in, because they're to me, they're becoming far and few in between. You know what I mean? So when I, so somebody comes in, you might not be perfect for the role, but I'm going, okay, let me. And when I was doing Chicago PD, I mean, I remember this one actress would come in, young Latina, and she just had something. She was raw, but you could tell she worked hard. You could tell she wanted everything. She always fell short. One reason or another, she always fell short. I just kept bringing her in. I kept bringing her in. And then finally, there was a role that she came in. She put it all together. And I was like, cool. So that's the direction. But I I cannot tell you how many times as a director and as a producer, um, I start getting nervous. I'm like, oh, shit. Like, you know, we're not going to be able to cast this role. Or we're just going to have to settle uh, because people aren't taking it. Mm. And I feel, and again, I could be biased, um, I feel our generation, there were so many. And listen, I'm only talking about the East Coast version of mm. actors. You had Don Cheadle, Michael Boatman, uh, Glenn Plummer. You had a lot of guys on the West Coast that were kicking ass as well, right? So I'm only I can only talk about you know yeah. my pool. Yeah. So but now no matter where I'm auditioning as a director when I'm when I'm auditioning actors, a lot of them it's just sometimes you're more pressed. So that's why I become a little bit more of a your objective. Gotta know your objective. What is the point? You of gotta, the where does the character want? Just basic, just like that. And, and if you don't understand that basic thing, then I'm you know. So I mean, if the character doesn't want something, then you have nothing. You have nothing. You they have, can't just exist. Well, that's what I told you. I said, you know, you're only as interesting as the problems you're trying to solve. You know what I mean? And so, you know, and I like what I've been able to do is to take all that training, all that learning, and I now I put it in my writing. I put it in. I put it in. And so when people talk about the books, when people, um, you know, read the books, they're reading these multidimensional characters. They're reading, they're reading characters that do horrible things, but sometimes – they end up rooting for the quote-unquote bad guy. Why? Because in my books, the bad guys, they have reasons. Uh. They're not, they're not, they don't just wake up and they're like, I'm evil. They have reasons. They were, they were, they were um, abused in a certain way. Like, so you get to see the making of uh, someone that you might have had compassion for. Sure. And now all of a sudden you see that. So you're heartbroken when you understand how they've been um made defective and so that's what all of this stuff has you know done for me and 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 and, and having an uh a source and an outlet to put that 
in, in creating these characters. Why, that's why I love writing. That's why I love this series because I get to explore human nature. So, you know, when people are like, okay, it's a thriller, but you're dropping some science on some social stuff. You're dropping some science on some racial stuff. You're dropping yeah. some science on some gender stuff. You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, those are to me the best compliments because that means you're getting into this three-dimensional character. And I, like I said, I only know how to approach it from that point. Yeah. I only know how to approach it from that. Thank you so much. Congrats on laws of annihilation. Yes. Thank you. Everything else coming up for you. Yeah. No, thanks for uh, having us on, having me on the show and, you know, being able to talk about my baby and uh, it's, you can get it in any major bookstore or where all books are sold. um, But we're, uh, you know, getting some good, you know, responses and reviews reviews and and uh so like i said you know for me it's really important to be a legitimate um well-respected author not yeah. a celebrity author not somebody i decided to pick up and I, I i you know i i still study my craft the craft of writing i'm learning every day the craft of writing and, and growing um and that's in every book i just keep putting more of that knowledge into it and my growth into it so each book just to me, gets, you know, better and better. Next book, no adjectives. That's my not challenge with, to that's you. That's your challenge. <laughs> I do not accept. <laughs> no adjectives and no varies. I love it. No good, very no, at all. No very varies. No very. <laughs> I no, lost you, the very varies. No I'll even lose very. I'll lose very. But, hey, my brother. Awesome. Nice. Thanks, you. Thank, Thank you, you brother. Much. All right. Thanks so much to Big Eric for a great interview. And thanks to you for listening. Torre Show gives you fuel to power your dreams because you can use your dreams like a rocket ship to blast you into a life you never imagined. You can make your dreams a reality. Maybe this show can help. You can find me on Instagram at Torre Show. Torre Show is written by me, Torre, and produced by Jennifer Brown. Our editor is Ryan Woodhall. Our engineer is Claire McHale. Our booker is Claudia Jean, and we're distributed by DCP Entertainment. And we will be back on Wednesday with more amazing guests. Because the man can't shut us down. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick... Let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered.